You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Revitalize Our Cities Now, the podcast series for entrepreneurs, real estate investors, developers, and anyone interested in urban revitalization. Our host is David Michael, a real estate lawyer with the Lipson Nielsen Law Firm. One of his areas of expertise is urban revitalization. David's guests will include some of the difference makers involved in all aspects of urban revitalization throughout Michigan. You'll listen as experts discuss acquiring land, redevelopment, and Incentives, real estate and nonprofit law, immigration and economic redevelopment, private equity, venture capital, and more. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, David Michael. Hello, and welcome to Revitalize Our Cities Now. This podcast is produced by Lipson Nielsen PC, attorneys and counselors. If there's anything on this program that you'd like to call or write us about, visit us at our website, lipsonnielsen.com. I'm your host, attorney David Michael, and we are here today with Roberto Torres, director of the City of Detroit's Housing and Revitalization Department, Immigrant Affairs and Economic Inclusion. Roberto and I had a chance to talk recently about some of the work that he has been doing lately in the area of urban revitalization, and I'm very excited to share his stories with our listeners today. Welcome, Roberto. Good afternoon. Roberto, can you tell us a little bit about your current position with the city of Detroit? Yeah, so um, I actually come in as the uh, second director for the office. So uh, it's housed within the, the housing and revitalization department. Um, however, it is an office on its own. So it's the Office of Immigrant Inclusion, uh, and, and, uh, of Immigrant Affairs and Economic Inclusion. And, and, and the, the office was actually started in 2015, in 2015. It was an initiative of the mayor, uh, to actually look at, uh, how do we take a, uh, uh the immigrant population and, uh, use it as a way to attract and grow, uh, the population, uh, here in, in, in the city of Detroit. Uh, more than that, how do we also transfer that, that population base into an economic, uh, boom for the city? And, and so, so, uh, so I come in now as a, as a director of that. Um, and it started off as the Office of Immigrant Affairs. Um, but as I came in, one of the things that I suggested, uh, to, uh, those, uh, uh, who, uh, uh, direct, um, the office was, uh, that I wanted to, uh, capitalize on my, um, economic uh, background. So, uh, by, uh, experience and by training, uh, I'm an economic development and community development person. And so I bring that into the picture. Hey, sure. Tell us a little bit more about that, though. I'm really interested in your, your economic development background. Well, folks, have, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, come in work. This is a sixth mayoral administration that I've worked for. So I've worked for five other mayors in, uh, economic and community development. I've also been director of, uh, board of community relations of, uh, youth commission of Latino affairs. Uh, and so I've had a, a broad experience in, uh, city, uh, functions. Uh, the, the piece of economic development, uh, comes in by way of how do you take a population that has, uh, not always been participative in, in economic growth in cities and, and how do you get that population that it, it is, is the population that lives in your city, right? A lot of times when we talk about economic growth of cities, we're trying to bring in investment from the outside for people that don't reside within the city. In this case, we're talking about a population that is committed to the city, that live there, 
that want to purchase homes, that want to start businesses. So how do we incentivize that? Uh, back in 2008, I was a director of economic development in Canton, Ohio. And during that time, obviously, it was the, 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 the recession that hit. And uh, no city was was making much of an investment. Everybody was just trying to see when the bubble would burst and, 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 and we'd see growth again. At that time, uh, we committed ourselves there in the city of Canton, Ohio, to take a, a town of 78,000 people and uh, begin to uh, uh, broadcast that, market that uh, to opportunities outside of the U.S. And so we did sister city relationships based on economic. Uh, we attracted investors from New Zealand, Australia, from China, Japan, Canada, and Mexico. Uh, and, and during that period, that uh, four-year period, uh, we brought in $1.8 billion in investment from, from outside of the, uh, of the U.S. And this is uh, jobs that were being created uh, in, uh, in Canton, Ohio. So I look at that and, and I say, why can't more cities do that? Why can't more cities look at the relationships that uh, immigrants have Let's take immigrants here in Detroit. Everybody has a relationship to their home country. How can we bring in those resources from outside and bring them in and tap that for investment within our city uh, to to even help the local population be involved in economic growth? Well, you know, you said something that I found really fascinating. How do investors in New Zealand, for example, find investment opportunities in Canton, Ohio? I have to tell you the story. So this one, I was hoping you would. So, so this one has to do with, with, with Hyderdeck. And, uh, this is a company that was looking to, to work with, uh, transmission oil, which is the type of, uh, the fluid that is utilized in to cool, uh, the conduits in, in, in electrical lines. So you see that box is up there that, so, so, uh, so they were doing that. They were recycling that. And that was coming, that technology was coming out of New Zealand. Um, the gentleman happened to be in New York. And, uh, well, you know, the story, you know, a guy walks into a bar. Well, that's what <laughs> happened. You know, in, in New Zealand or walked into a bar. And, uh, uh, and, and he, uh, he was asking around, uh, and saying, Hey, if I was to put a company somewhere in the United States, where would I attract, you know, two thirds of the population of the U.S.? And so uh, the gentleman, true story, gentleman said, well, you know, I, I heard that in the 30s, the gangsters of Chicago would meet with the gangsters of New York in Canton, Ohio. And Canton, Ohio is known as Little Chicago. And uh, and so 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 the guy, you know, amused by that, looked it up and said, "For you know, uh, yes, it is. In fact, that is the largest uh, uh, base of population are within that six hour uh, vicinity of, uh, of the, the, of, uh, of Canton, Ohio. And so he decided to come to Canton, Ohio. That's almost like, uh, he, he went there on a dare, right? It's like, <laughs> I don't believe you that Canton was called the little Chicago. Right. But, but you know what? Uh, and, and I was talking to, uh, to a group of, uh, of, uh, Bangladeshis at, uh, Bangla town, um, about a month and a half ago. And, uh, and, and, uh, I, I mentioned to them as I was talking to the business people, I said, you know, I said, the experience of immigrants is really one of sharing our stories. And that's really what it comes down to. And I said, you know, when I first met the first business person in, uh, Bangladesh, the, the young man said, let me introduce you to my father. So we go to the back, uh, and his father, we, we go to the father owns a tailor shop, we go to the tailor shop and the father's not there. And he says, he must be in the back. And I said, doing what? He goes, he's tending to his garden. 
So we go to the back and he starts telling me, the father starts telling me about this plant and that it's, uh, it's native to, uh, the home country. So if I drive around the neighborhood and I see that plant, then there's a Bangladeshi living there. And, uh, and so as he's telling me the story, I stop him and I said, you know, your story sounds very much like my father. So I started telling him the story of my father. And, uh, and right there, we, 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 it was a, a, a body moment, right? It was, it was one where now he, uh, we built a trust that now we could talk business. Um, as I was telling that story to that group of businessmen, they, they, they all acknowledge that, that that does come down to, that is the basic of, of our relationship in, in business, our relationship that we have with families, our relationship with drawing one community. And that is to, to be able to share our stories. So I think it's a, it's a great segue to talk about, um, you know, why, uh, why immigrants and, and why, uh, are immigrants uh, a strategy for the city of Detroit? You mean sharing stories one on one and you, you really get a, a, a kind of personal connection with somebody by sharing that background story? Well, and I think you can't do development. You can't do community development. You can't build, uh, housing projects. You can't, uh, uh, invest in neighborhoods without getting to know uh, the story of the people in your neighborhood. And, and now, now that you bring it up, Roberto, I, I have to ask you: What is your father's story? So, so, so my father, uh, my father came to this country uh, in the thirties, and uh, and and my father was uh, here on a green card. Um, didn't become a, a citizen till he was seventy years old. Um, I remember stories of my father having to go out of state, not being able to get a driver's license in the state of Ohio. So he had to drive out of state in order to get a driver's license. Um, I, I remember um, Border Patrol is what we called it back then coming into the camp. So I grew up in a migrant camp, one of 13 in our family, um, no uh, indoor plumbing, uh, no running water. We had to go out to the pump, the well to go get water. So it was very, very humble beginning. But um, that was, um, that impacted, uh, me and, and what I do, what I do today because I, 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 I've learned to be very resourceful. I learned to be very creative. So, uh, so my father, uh, traveled the country. Um, he went from California to Washington. He followed the, the harvest and, uh, uh, then by way of Wisconsin and settled in Northwest Ohio because, uh, we were now we're at four kids and, uh, and, and the family was still growing. Um, so, so that's my father's story. But uh, on the economic side, I can tell you uh, that um, when I started doing sister city relationships uh, with uh, Mexico and Canton, Ohio, um, I had to look to see which city uh, was a mutual fit, was a good fit for the, the city of Canton. City of Canton has three steel uh, companies. One of them, by the way, which was purchased by Industrias Hermanas from Mexico. So one of those investors was, uh, was a steel company that now, uh, employs, uh, thousands of, of, of Cantonians in the city of Canton because of a Mexican investor. Um, but, uh, as I was looking for cities, I was looking for an industry that needed to have steel. And so, uh, the mayor said, give me a couple choices. So, uh, so I offered Chihuahua Chihuahua. Uh, which my, which I knew was not going to pass with my mayor because the mayor said, well, first of all, he goes, uh, I, I don't want to, uh, pick a name of a city that's associated with a little dog. He goes, not only a dog, but it's a little dog. And at that time, Taco Bell was very popular, right? So, so, so he says, everyone will miss that one. That's what so, I was yeah. thinking. Taco so, Bell yeah, was the yeah. association. So, so, uh, so the other option was Saltillo, Coahuila, Mexico, Saltillo. So Saltillo happens to be the birthplace of my father. And so, and, and, and it is considered the Detroit of Mexico. 
It's also considered the Denver of Mexico because of a mile high. So it, it resides up in the mountains. Um, and it has about 193 manufacturing facilities. So that's why it's considered the Detroit of Mexico. Wow. So, so a lot of industry. So as I went there to go meet with the uh, mayor of Saltillo and the, the governor of Coahuila, um, we were talking about uh, the relationship, building a relationship with our city in Canton, Ohio. And as the as as and I was interviewing with uh, local media and they asked me, they said, so how does it feel like to be uh, an American here in Mexico? You know, they never say like where you're from, like an Ohioan. Right. They said, how does it feel like to be an American coming here to, to Mexico? And I said, well, for me, it's not so much that I feel like I'm an American coming here as much as it's a homecoming for me. And I said, you see, my father is 93 years old. And my father's not going to make it to the end of the year. And my father always dreamed of coming back to Mexico. And I said, and I feel that today with this relationship, his son has brought his father back. Wow, and that's, so, that's a great story. Yeah, so, so that, so, so, and, and to me, um, you know, you talk about the story, that's the impact of immigration. That's the impact because we can, I have that relationship now with the city of Saltillo, Coahuila. Um, I'll take it one step further. The flag, uh, the mayor lowered the flag of, uh, of Saltillo that was flying that day, lowered it. He said, give it to your father. And so I brought it back. When the Mexican council here in Detroit heard about it, he did a, a resolution, a proclamation uh, that gave my father his Mexican citizenship back. So it was a dual citizenship so, because he had become a U.S. citizen. And so before my father's passing, um, he got to um, truly pass away as a Mexican-American. And, uh, and, and so you talk about what is the impact of, of immigration and what's the impact if we open ourselves up to building those relationships. It's not only the job creation, the investment, um, but it's also, you know, being able to, to give back. Right. And the personal case, relationship personal going relationship. full circle yeah. right there. Yeah. There's one more, uh, one more personal um, item I have to mention since we're, uh, we're a broadcast uh, uh, medium here. I see you're wearing on your lapel the Marine Corps lapel pin. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the story behind that? Yeah, so uh, – and I think a, a lot of it has to do with um, – it does have to do with culture. So, I, so um, first of all, people say, why Marine? Well, yeah, you know, I just happen to, to believe that uh, of the of the greatest – uh, of the greatest, uh, uh, military organizations that, that one can, uh, uh, be a product of. I think the, the Marine Corps is, is by far the top. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a, a way of life. It's a culture. It's a, it's a thinking, uh, that stays with you. And it's true when they say once a Marine, always a Marine. Um, and, and, and so, so for me, the Corps was a way for me to kind of give back. I mentioned earlier that my family, um, is, uh, was, uh, you know, I was raised in a migrant camp. So we didn't have means for, for me to afford going to college. Uh, I got as many scholarships as I could. Uh, but I also needed to depend on some assistance from, uh, Pell Grants and, and other types of assistance that the federal government provided. So for me, it was one of, uh, honoring, uh, an, uh, honoring a country that had allowed me the opportunity to actually, uh, uh, to actually get an education. And, uh, have the opportunities that, that, that I've had since. And so, uh, I thought, uh, why not four years? And the other thing was, um, I was able to get a, um, a guaranteed, uh, guaranteed contract in military law. And so I, um, I was a, a legal officer when I was in, uh, when I was in the Corps. And so, uh, it allowed me to, to travel. 
that allow me to travel the world, allow me to meet people from from other countries, and and to apply um, you know legal knowledge where I was at. So so for me, uh, that's never that's never left, and and I've always supported um, the, um, the the Eagle Global Anchor, and and even now when I ran for office, I ran under the colors of of the Marine Corps. So all of my all of my uh, my literature was all. Uh, red and gold, right? The colors of the Marine Corps. And I would tell people, I said, uh, when they would say, well, how can we trust you? Or how do we know you're a person of your word? And I said, you see that sign? I said, those colors don't run. I said, those are the colors of my core. And, 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 and I think that, that again, that had something to do not only with culture, but the culture of the core. Um, so, so, and the other thing is you always, uh, you always win an argument when you're talking to somebody and they're talking about, well, why, uh, why support immigrants? Or, and, 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 and when that issue comes up, um, I can always point to them that uh, I'm a Marine first and I tell them about all that I've done. And then I said, that was possible because my father, uh, dared to come here and leave everything back in, in, in Mexico to come here for a better life for his children. And I says, and now he's got, you know, sons and daughters that are police officers, that are public service officials, that are engineers, um, and, uh, um, and, 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 you know, and, and, uh, folks that, uh, that just contribute to their community every day. There are a lot of things I think that, uh, I could say in response to that, but I think I'm going to simply say thank you for your service to this country. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get back to talking about uh, your position as Director of Immigrant Affairs and Economic Inclusion with the City of Detroit. When I first talked to you, and I think it was about a month, month and a half ago, you were pretty new in the office. And since then, I understand you've uh, you've had an opportunity to present to the city, to the mayor, and, and to uh, other officials in the city your 100-day report. Yeah, so, so – um you know, I was really blessed with the opportunity to just go out there and meet, um, the, 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 the members of, of, uh, of our communities, of, uh, uh, our international communities and the leadership, uh, working with the organizations. Um, Detroit has, uh, many resources, um, at, at, you know, at its, uh, at, at, at its ability to utilize. And, uh, and, and I just think that, you know, that's, that's been a blessing for me. Um, the, uh, the initiatives could be broad and, you know, I, I tend to think, I tend to think big when it comes to, to ideas and vision. But, um, what, what we've done is we've looked at what are some of the, the opportunities. And so, um, so we've, we've, uh, we've identified a couple of areas. Um, one is the, the, the resettlement of immigrants and refugees. And so in years past, what's happened is, um, we've had organizations like Samaritas, we've had organizations like, uh, the U.S. Committee for Refugee and Immigrants and, 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 and the, and the, the Catholic Diocese as well. And many of them serve as, uh, as the organizations that help to resettle refugees and immigrants as they're identified for the region. Um, in years past, um, there's been a significant a uh, number of refugees that have that have been settled in this area, but since 2016 and 2017, we started to see a decrease in it, and that's because federal policy changed the uh, the ceiling 
on how many are allowed to come in. Whereas in, in, in years past, it was uh, uh, over hundreds of thousand. Uh, now what we're looking at is last year, uh, the year before was 45, 2017 was 45,000 in the country, in the U.S. total. And, uh, uh, and then, uh, 35,000 last year in 2018. Um, we just see that, uh, current policy, uh, it uh, just doesn't support the, um, uh, the benefits of, of immigrants. And so that's impacted, uh, those local organizations. So, uh, rather than, and what's happening is many of those organizations just either shut their doors or, uh, or they, um, uh, they just, uh, eliminated staffing. And, and so, uh, what, what, uh, what we've decided to do is to help those organizations to help us grow Detroit. And what I mean by that is that, um, there is a need for housing, even for refugees and immigrants that have arrived here, you know, three years ago, five years ago. Uh, and, and there's need for employment training. So what we're doing is, is we're looking to see, we're looking to, 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 to um, to market Detroit. Uh, and market what we can provide to all immigrants and refugees in the U.S. So we're not just saying any new ones that, that get assigned to come into this country. We're talking about can they make a, can we make a difference for uh, immigrants and refugees that are living in Ohio, that are living in Pennsylvania? How do we create that welcoming environment? And so we're doing that in partnership with those organizations that I mentioned. So the International Institute and the uh, USCRE. Um, the, the USCRI are, we're partnering together to create a housing initiative in Detroit. And it's an idea that, uh, that is somewhat borrowed from the city of Cleveland. So Cleveland has an international village where they've actually, um, worked with developers to create, uh, housing, um, uh, projects or uh, housing initiatives that support the immigrants coming in. Um, what normally happens is if folks come into uh, USCRI and Dearborn, folks will come into their offices and they'll see everything around them, the environment, and they'll like, I'd like to stay here. And so they choose to stay in Dearborn, but they don't come to Detroit because Detroit doesn't offer that. And so what we're doing is cr- we're creating those type of, uh, of, of similar environments. Uh, we believe that there's enough interest in our region to be able to support, to support both. So one of the initiatives is going to be a housing initiative in a partnership with USCRI and the International Institute and the city. And once again, USCRI stands for? It's the uh, U.S. Committee for Refugee and Immigrants. So it, it is, it is one of the national organizations that actually helps to resettle, uh, immigrants and refugees. Uh, and they're, they're represented in, in many states. Um, their headquarters is in Washington, D.C. They happen to have, uh, an office in, in Dearborn. Um, but they don't have an office in Detroit. And so we're working on doing that. And hopefully there'll be some news in the, in, in the coming months about that. So we're hearing it here possibly for the first time. You're, you're looking to partner with the U.S. CRI? Yes. Yes. Terrific. In fact, I've got, we're, we're, we're in conversation regularly with the national leadership. So, so that's, that's one of the areas. The other area is in, is in business. Um, and, and we, um, we're currently, we, so, so in my line of work, um, you, you can't do economic growth without working with your business community and without working with, uh, your economic developers. And so, uh, in coming in, one of the partners that I've been working with is the, uh, um, is the, uh, DGRC. So I'm working with the, the economic growth uh, organization here in Detroit. 
And uh, one of the things that we're doing is making sure that the programs that are available, like Motor City Match and other programs, um, that our uh, our immigrant community is well aware of those. The other thing is to look at uh, some of the refugee and immigrant uh, investors. We have a number of investors in our area um, that are um, that are helping to promote economic growth in Dearborn, in Dearborn Heights, in Sterling. So, so, so there are uh, there are uh, there are the means are here. It's just that we, we've not put the, the, the proposal together, uh, from our city to, to do that. And so, uh, in fact, in the coming, uh, in the coming days, uh, we have a, we're hosting a housing conference for the city of Detroit. And I have a number of immigrant investors and developers that are coming to that conference. And so what we're doing is we're putting those opportunities before, uh, those investors. So again, uh, bringing projects here to the city of Detroit. How was your uh, 100 day report to the city, to the mayor? How was that received? <laughs> the, the mayor said, good luck. And, and, and I asked, I asked folks, I said, so, so what does that mean? And they said, oh, that's actually a very good thing. They said, if he doesn't have many questions, then that means that you're the, you're the expert on that. And what he's, what he's saying is, let me know what, 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 uh, what you need. Uh, I actually meet with the, the mayor's chief of staff, um, every two weeks, uh, on our progress. So, uh, the, uh, the mayor is well aware of the initiatives that, that we're moving forward on. And, 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 um, and there's, there's obviously, uh, a vested interest. Um, we've got the, the, you know, 2020 census. Um, that, uh, that is coming up here in, in obviously, you know, a couple of years. And so starting, uh, this week, um, uh, the uh, Office of Immigrant Affairs is going to be very involved on a immigrant task force or a strategy, uh, force that's going to make sure that we don't have an undercount within our immigrant refugee population. If you look at the population of Detroit back in the last census, the only population that grew was the immigrant population. So the foreign-born population grew by 4.6%, uh, and in that period, there was a 0.26% decrease, uh, so a 2.6% decrease in the general population. So while, uh, while um, and I don't know if you call them native Michiganders, but, it, you know, while, while, while your non-immigrant population has been moving out of this state, um, the immigrant population has been increasing. And so we certainly don't want that to, uh, uh, we want the numbers to reflect that there's an increased growth. And, and we know that because we've seen the numbers in, uh, uh, in, in, in schools. We've seen the numbers in uh, some of the projects that we promote from the city. So we know the growth is there. We just need to make sure that, uh, that there's not an undercount. There was a concern, um, earlier on. There was an additional question that was put on by this administration. Um, on the, the census, uh, uh, questionnaire that, uh, that asked if you were a U.S. citizen. And, uh, and, and that's uh, new, isn't it? That was, that was a new question. Only, the only thing that changed was that one question. Um, the lower courts have struck that down. So, uh, as of, uh, as of last week, um, that's no longer a question that can be asked. And, and, you know, we still have, uh, you know, the 2020, but it's, it's closed. The, the, the window's closing on that because those surveys have to go out. And so uh, that's a good that's good news for us because we didn't want to, that the additional burden of having to tell people it's okay for you to fill this out. Someone's not going to come to your door just because you you, you filled this question out. Um, and, and I think a, a lot of that goes to the the you know the the whole heart of uh, what are you as a community doing to make sure that your that that your community is is immigrant friendly. And so we certainly uh, are. Um, 
are addressing that by bringing on all those uh, immigrant and refugee organizations. So the same ones that are working with us with uh, uh, the resettlement, uh, they're going to be a part of the team for the uh, for the, the census. And so Census 2020 is another project that we're working on. Um, I also want to say that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, Councilwoman uh, Castaneda Lopez, good Raquel, uh, because uh, Raquel, at the same time that the Office of Immigrant Affairs was started, uh, Raquel as a councilwoman uh, was uh, uh, was organizing a uh, an immigrant task force. And so the, the task force has been very uh, um, aggressive in addressing issues that make it more welcoming. Uh, one of the projects was the Michigan, the uh, Detroit ID card. Which is a, a city of Detroit identification. Um, it, it's, it, it may be to, to you and I and others. It may seem like an identification card, um, is, is, there's no need for it because of a, a driver's license. But if you're not a, uh, but if you're not a legal resident, um, if, uh, you're here on a visa, an extended visa, then there may be, there may be some hesitation with you getting a driver's license. When you talk to local law enforcement officials, um, the, you know, they're concerned whenever they have, they encounter somebody that they don't, don't know who they are. Uh, their question is, uh, is this a valid identification or where's your identification? It's the first thing you're asked, you know, where's, where, where's your driver's license? Sure. You and I, if we forget our driver's license and we just said, Hey, I, I left it at home. Um, they'll, they'll check, come back and say, okay, you know, next time carry it with you. Right. Anybody who isn't identified can have that. They get taken, and you're right. not in the right. system, so right. the, so no, the right. authorities can't check. Right. right. So so this this ID card just says that you are a Detroiter. You are who and, you say you are. Right. You are who you say you are. And so uh, and so this has been made possible. And so uh, we 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 go all over the city, and and whenever we have events and conferences. Um, we, we ask people, if you don't have that, then this should be the card. And a number of institutions, um, have, uh, have, uh, authorized or supported the ID card and a couple of lending institutions. So you can open up a bank account with the Detroit ID card. And so, so we make that available too. And so if people have any questions, they can certainly, um, contact our office or go to the city website and look up, uh, Office of Immigrant Affairs. Terrific. Now, you mentioned that the uh, city of Detroit's immigrant population grew even while the overall population has been declining. I've heard it said, I've heard it said from many sources that in order to grow your economy, you have to either make more people from the people that are already there or you have to have immigration. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, yeah. So, but, but I think the real, um, um, I think if you really want to say, um, what affects it is make your, make your community, make your city welcoming. That really is what it is because it could be any number of, uh, it doesn't have to be somebody who is immigrant. It could be somebody who's just looking for a better way of life. And if you create opportunities for employment, you create opportunities for livability. Um, and, 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 and you, you put those elements out there and then people will say that's a city to go to. And we were one of the top 10 cities, uh, uh, in, in, in a recent report, top 10 cities of being immigrant friendly. And it was immigrant friendly because the mayor created the Office of Immigrant Affairs. It was friendly because we have the Detroit ID card. It was friendly because we have this immigration task force. So for many of those elements, we are a friendly city. Now, what we need to do is the one area where we have not really done as well is how do you get people involved civically? How do you get them engaged? Um, not only just live in your community, but also now become active participants in the process so that that way they have a vested interest to stay. 
because a lot of the things that I hear is that we have immigrants that come in, they do well, and then they move out. And it's like, though, the whole idea is, okay, how do we create that environment that nobody wants to leave? And so um, one of the things that we're doing, another project that we're doing is called My City Academy. And so we're creating a uh, an academy that will uh, inform um, uh, immigrants. Uh, and I, I think it, it should be applied to just any Detroiter because there are some people that need to know what the process is for city government. How do you get this service or how do you contact this uh, department in need? What happens if I have, uh, you know, a water break? What happens if I have any number of things? Um, to be informed is, is really where power is, right? Knowledge is power. And so right. one of the things that we want to do is for, uh, is for these immigrants is, is to have that type of a training uh, project. And as we do this and as I present this, a lot of people are like, well, can it be more inclusive and involve other people? And I said, it certainly can. These are projects that we're, uh, we're, we're going to be piloting in, uh, in 20, uh, uh, in 2019. And I want to mention, um, you know, thanks to our friends over at Global Detroit. Uh, Steve Tabachman is somebody that the director of Global Detroit is someone that, um, that, that, uh, we've run into similar circles, uh, since I was in Canton, Ohio. Uh, he was helping out Global Cleveland get started there. And, uh, in fact, one of his gurus is actually a good friend of mine from, uh, from Cleveland, Richard Herman who uh, is the author of Immigrant Inc. If you want to know what the benefits of immigrants in this country uh, is, uh, I, I, you know, I, I would, uh, uh, I would uh, say read the book Immigrant Inc. and you'll see what the impact of immigrants has been and why um, the uh, immigrant background uh, has uh, translated into, into economic benefit for our country. I think uh, that bears repeating. The, the name of the book is Immigrant, Immigrant Inc., Immigrant Inc. And, and what Richard did is he and, uh, and, and I'm uh, sorry, once again, the author's name, uh, Richard Herman. Uh, actually, Richard, uh, has an office here at Dearborn. So he's an attorney out in Cleveland. Uh, and I worked with Richard because, uh, we were also doing, uh, DACA, uh, enrollment, but at the same time, we're also doing EB5. EB5 is an immigrant investment. It's, uh, EB is for employment based visas. So we were doing immigrant investment projects. And, uh, and, and so Richard was one of the people that I worked with. And that's where I met Steve. And, and I, I then met Steve later in Toledo when he was working with uh, uh, Toledo Lucas County and, and 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 helping them do a welcoming city there. Uh, and now, um, you know, I've had the fortune of of uh, working with Steve on a number of projects. And so I wanted to just throw a shout out to to Global Detroit for the work that they do. Steve is an old hockey buddy of mine, and we are having him on the show next week, I believe. That's awesome. That's awesome. You, you let him know that Roberto speaks highly of him. I'm, I'm sure he'll be uh, looking forward to listening to this podcast with you on it as well. So you've mentioned some of the challenges that, that you're facing right now. What are, what are some of the things on your wish list for for uh, that it would impact your role with the city right now, either government policy, local government policy, federal government policy, uh, civic involvement, things like that. What's on your wish list? So, so let's let's start with with local first. So, so on the on the local level, I think what would what would really be beneficial, and it's, it's starting to happen, but is is for the the city government, uh, local business, um, local organizations. To not see uh, uh, immigration as just an uh, immigrant affairs uh, matter only. So, so in other words, it shouldn't be just our Office of Immigrant Affairs that's driving this. 
um, that, that, that when people go to do development, that they automatically think, you know what, it's happening in this community. We talked about the, 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 uh, Ford, uh, central station. Right. We talked about the, the, that project. It's happening in, in, in Corktown. It's happening, uh, near, uh, the Southwest. So, uh, there are members of the community and, and the Latino, uh, community there in the Southwest that, uh, that are alarmed at what is this going to happen? What's going to happen to the values of the property values of homes in the area? What's going to happen to their businesses? Are they going to be able to afford staying in that area? Because, um, we all know that the uh, values increase when you, when you, when you have investment go in. And so, so, uh, and, and I think that part of that conversation is how do we include the local community when we do projects like that? And the other thing is who's to say that we don't have investors that can also contribute to that project? So, so that, 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 that's one of the things that I would, I would hope for. The other thing is, um, as departments within the city is, is to, and, and I've had some great conversations with my colleagues and, and, and folks are really open to, to, to wondering how can we work together to make sure that this, uh, that our immigrant community is a part of our, uh, community and economic growth for, for the city. I think a lot of times it's because we haven't had that conversation. Or folks have not had that experience. So if you've not had a relationship with Saltillo Coila, Mexico, or you've not done, you know, uh, uh, business relations with, with Japan, China, New Zealand, um, it, it maybe you don't see the opportunities for a local project, uh, to be supported or to uh, be enjoined with, uh, such an investment. And so I think a lot of times it is, is being open to that conversation. And to, to say that sometimes it, it does help to have partnership from, uh, outside of, uh, outside of the city. So, uh, I would say that's on a local, that would be, um, uh, on my wish list. Uh, on the, uh, state level, um, uh, you know, the one thing that I can say about Governor Snyder is he created the office of, uh, the uh, Michigan office of New Americans. So my good friend Bing Goey out of, uh, West Michigan, um, was actually the first director for Mona. And, uh, sadly, when the, uh, governor, um, was, uh, was, was in his final days, um, the office was actually moved from out of uh, the governor's office to more of a commission type of, of role. And when things like that happen, you, you become a commission. Now it doesn't have the same, uh, it doesn't have the same authority that one has when you're uh, an, uh, an office of the governor. When you're a program of the office of the governor, then you have the stamp of approval of the governor. Wherever I go, uh, I know that people understand that it's the, the stamp of approval of the mayor. Yeah, you're, you're, the, you're wrapped in the mantle of uh, executive authority. Right, right. And, and so, so at the state level, that had to, that had to be relegated now to a commission level. Um, my, my hope is that, um, is that, uh, the governor, uh, sees it. Um, sees the value of, 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 of putting some authority behind the Michigan office, um, and, and, uh, and raise that level. And then obviously on the, on the, on the federal level, there's so many policies right now that, that are, that are hindering, uh, uh, just immigrant interest in the U.S. And, and, and I think that, uh, um, that we would all be helped if, if both, uh, Congress and, 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 um, the administration would work together to support, um, you know, the uh, integration of immigrants in our economy. There, and I'm not talking about uh, an influx of immigrants. I'm talking about the population that we currently have in our cities, 
in our states, in our country. Now, are you and, talking about at a federal level or at a state level? Uh, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying that the legislation uh, at the federal level needs to be more supportive of allowing those organizations to do the good work that they do. And, uh, and, 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 you know, business understands that the reason why we have, um, the, the issue of immigration is that our local businesses need it. You know, when we talk about, uh, employment based visas, we're talking about, um, our, our corporations that need to have talent that isn't, uh, that, that isn't currently here. That's the and other it, side of the coin, right? Sometimes we, we, it seems like we hear a lot more about how many, uh, immigrants are, are, are flowing into the United States, but, we hear a little less about this, but we do hear about businesses are crying for qualified workers and, and they're, they're actually putting pressure on the administration to, to allow more immigration to fill those positions. Yeah. And ironically, if you look at what side of the party a lot of those businesses represent, it, it's coming from the side that is, that is, is being anti. Uh, immigrant. Traditionally. And, yeah. and so, 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 so I more think, conservative yeah, with and, respect to immigration. And so I think sure. what, what needs to happen is th- th- that, that conversation business needs to, needs to, uh, um, to carry kind of like that torch when it comes to the, uh, inclusion piece. Is, uh, is that the case in Detroit? Do Detroit businesses need more immigration, um, to fill uh, positions that are currently unfilled? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, so back in 20, uh, back in 2014, the city, uh, had submitted a, uh, a letter request to the Obama administration in conjunction with the state. So both the state and the city had, uh, requested an increase in visas, uh, up to 50,000. So 50,000 more, uh, employment visas, which were for high skilled workforce. So, so, and then that was being supported by the, uh, by the industries, by business and industry. And so, yes, I mean, I'll, I'll underscore that there is a great need here in, in, in our, uh, uh, in our region, uh, and in our city. You had mentioned something earlier that uh, was part of the impetus for this, this podcast. There's on one side of the coin, revitalizing our cities with an influx of, of investment from maybe businesses and, and developers from a traditional perspective. And, and then there's also, um, the idea that longtime residents of revitalized areas might be forced out. The idea of gentrification, right? Yes. Is, now, what is your take on that? How, do you feel that revitalization investment, redevelopment is a good thing? Or, or do you worry for people in formerly depressed areas who are, who may become the victims of gentrification? Well, you know, I, I think when you look at uh, cities like Detroit, um, it's just had so many years of, uh, of, uh, underinvestment, uh, and disinvestment, um, and no interest, um, that, that we're finally receiving the type of, of, uh, of national, uh, attention. Um, it's international. I mean, we've got investors coming out of, uh, Qatar that would like to invest in properties here in Detroit. And, and so, so you, that is a good thing. That is a good thing for our city. Now I was I was asked that recently by a resident of the community and said and this goes back to the central station. And she said, "Well, you know, what what can we do about that? You know, what can we do about that and should Ford be supporting this? Should Ford be supporting that?" And uh and and I said to her and I said, "Let me I said, let me challenge us." I said, "Let me challenge us to say that for too often we've always said, you know, what are they going to do for us? What are they going to do for us?" 
And I said, do you realize that uh, alone with all of the representatives that we have, all the residents that we have, we represent a number of investment outside of this community that can be brought in. And and I said, so the, 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 the question isn't what are they going to do for us, but the question is how are we going to become developers ourselves? How are we going to get interest? I was uh, I, I was meeting with uh, uh, with one of my um, local uh, uh, bank associates, and uh, and she said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm got this new client. Um, he's out of uh, Argentina, and uh, he's looking to to purchase property here in the city, and he's done it already. Um, I, I think you should talk to him." I said, "Okay." I said, uh, "Give him my name and number." And so we we chatted. So um, uh, so just before Christmas. Um, struck up a conversation. He says, I need to go to Argentina, but I'll be back. So, uh, while he was in Argentina, uh, these guys held a Detroit conference in Argentina where they, uh, where they were promoting the city of Detroit. Now, these guys went out there at night to film Detroit and to show that people were walking out of restaurants, uh, at night in Detroit. Um, they, they drove down the strip just to show that there's vehicles out in the street in Detroit at night. Um, they went to the different events and festivals and they filmed that. They put that together and they showed people, uh, in, in Argentina, Detroit is not what people say it is. This is Detroit. And, and so, um, as, as I was, as you know, and I met with them and as I met with them, um, you know, I, I thought to myself, how many other, um, initiatives or how many other, uh, relationships do folks in our community, and this person is in Southwest Detroit, how many other, relationships are there out there that we could be supporting as a city that we could be supporting as a business community to say, you know, if you're going to do this and, and, and the first thing I said is, do you plan to do this again? He said, yes. So they go to Brent Saris and, and I, I, I joked and I said, well, you know, one of my favorite wines is Malbec from Mendoza winery in Argentina. And, uh, and I said, we make a trip to, uh, to, to, uh, Mendoza winery. I said, I'll join you on the next trip. Um, so, so, so we had a laugh at that, but, but the, 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 the truth is that, um, as, as a city, you know, we ought to be standing side by side with, with, with some of these businesses that are doing this. Now, of course we got to vet them. And of course we got to look at to see what the, the value of return is going to be for us. Um, but, but I think that that shows the opportunities that are available there. So to that resident in Southwest, I would say, you know, that business, it's in your community. If we could make it possible for that person to do a development project here instead of somebody that's not of your uh, immigrant background to do a development here, then they're going to be more sensitive to the needs of the community. And, and so, so I think that, um, when people look at gentrification, I think it, it all depends on, uh, on, on who's doing it. And, and I think that if more of us would, would be involved in, in, uh, in development and investment, I think we're, we're able to do projects that are going to be both benefiting to the local residents and also attract new, uh, um, you know, Latino talent. I, I live in the downtown, right? So I live, I live over, uh, uh, near Belle Isle. And, uh, and I would love to be in a, uh, condo unit, uh, somewhere in the Southwest. It's not there yet. So why doesn't the developer come in and do a project like that? So now you've got somebody who has, um, the wherewithal to be able to, uh, to, to, uh, support the local economy, right? So, so, uh, gentrification doesn't always mean it has to be somebody else. It could be the very people that moved out of the community because the amenities that they were looking for was somewhere else. And so, 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 uh, so, so I think that there's, it's the way in which you look at it. And I think investment is good. 
And I think investment with uh, conscience for the community is even better. That is a fresh perspective. There are a lot of condominiums, uh, a lot of developments uh, closer to downtown Detroit, but uh, yeah, condo development, uh, some some brownstone rehabilitation, things like that in Southwest Detroit. That sounds really great. Something maybe we can look forward to. Roberto, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today. Um, I, I hope you'll come back in the future. If people have questions about things we've talked about, uh, they can, they can, of course, visit my firm's website, lipsandnielsen.com, and they can reach you through the city of Detroit's website. Is that right? Yes. They go to the city website, and you'll see, you just, 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 uh, key in, uh, Office of Immigrant Affairs. And, uh, and, and they'll, uh, they'll, you'll be able to, to leave a message for me. We're in the process of, of, of redoing the website. Uh, so as, as we do that, I'm, I'm going to throw some, some bells and whistles into the, into the website to, 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 to make it really sharp. Um, I'm an artist by background, so I love creativity. And, uh, you know, as I, as, uh, you know, I, I'm a student of media. Uh, coming out of college. So I, so I, I know the importance of branding and the importance of, of, uh, of communication. And so, um, part of telling the story is also, um, how you tell it. And so you'll, you'll see that within, within the website. So yeah, I, and, and I'm the type of person that's very open. So I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I, I can come out, uh, and, and come out and speak to groups, come out and, 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 and talk to organizations. Uh, an individual who wants to talk about some of the projects that we mentioned, want to help out, want to volunteer, call us. I'm sure you're going to get some calls as the result of uh, your appearance on this podcast today. Roberto, thanks again. Thank you. Hoorah. Thanks for listening to Revitalize Our Cities Now. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss or questions about the show, you can email us at dmichael at com. Make sure you join us again for our next episode when we talk with another difference maker helping to revitalize our cities now. Revitalize Our Cities Now.